1: everybody. This is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack Podcast, where we talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation in startups. Today, I am talking to my man, Sean, over at Takatu. Takatu is a uh, software as a service platform vertically focused on the veterinarian agency or veterinarian customers. Um, Sean, how are you doing?
0: I'm great, David. I'm I'm just all settled in. We had a epic start to this recording, and uh, I'm I'm ready to do this.
1: Yeah, no. So, like, I'm in this co-working space, and I'm so excited because I'm in actually a real podcast room, and there's nice padded walls and really expensive equipment. I'm supposed to like block it out, which I didn't do because I don't like people telling me what to do, and um, I just kind of went in here. And then I spilled a cup of coffee all over this really nice equipment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a hell of a way to get this episode started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't think my karma is super high, but, you know, I butchered the intro. Sean Wilkie of to. someone for the service, focusing on veterinarians and workflows within veterinary medicine. So, Sean Tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to do talk to.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Thanks for the question, Dave, and thanks for having me. Um, So I think we are going to go back to 2017. I'm running a company um, working with Nuance Communications, um, and we've taken their human medical product, and adapted it to the veterinary field. And so we took their nuances, Dragon Medical, added a bunch of vet words, um, changed the way that the software got installed and created this product. And there was a ton of interest and we were growing and we, um, we had customers all around the world. We were attending veterinary trade shows all over the planet. And we had a customer come to us and said, hey, Sean, uh, we wanna buy 200 licenses of your software. And that would have been uh, 200 times uh, 2000. You're a good guy with math. So what do we got there, David? It was a big, big, big opportunity. Calculator's not open. So anyways, it was a big opportunity. And they said, what can you do for a discount? And we said, we'll get right back to you. And so we went to try to get a discount and we got like a 5% discount and they laughed at us. And so at that point, I was like, okay, this company really doesn't make sense. We're not going to be able to scale it. And I didn't like the software that we were selling because in 2017, we were shipping boxes in the mail that had CDs and nobody even had a CD-ROM in their computer anymore. And and it just didn't see. I didn't see an end game for the company, and so having been a multi-time founder and created a couple of companies, I thought to myself, like probably it's a good time to exit. And so I exited. I love the veterinary vertical. I love the customers, and so I went to work about a month after that exit, which was only a tiny one, but it was still a win uh, to trying to figure out can we. Build a better mouse trap. Can we take some of the technology that's out there and build a piece of software that would allow me to be in control of the destiny as opposed to a partner with another company? That was how we got started.
1: Okay, so Nuance, which is the big gorilla in the human healthcare space. Microsoft bought them for a boatload of money, but they do scribing and, I guess, auto dictation for, for medical groups. And you said that there was an offshoot of that that licensed IP from Nuance that you founded and sold. What wasn't?
0: It wasn't an offshoot. It was my company, um, mine and a couple of other co-founders. It was called Dragon Veterinary. It still exists today, and they're a partner, a reseller partner of Nuances that. We built a little tiny piece of software that installed over that piece of software that adapted it Got to it. the veterinary vertical. And so we found the opportunity and it was a big one. And so we thought to ourselves, like, you know, I thought to myself and my co-founder, maybe we can build something, you know, at the time. Google was coming out with speech APIs. It was their very first one that they ever came out with. Microsoft, Amazon, all of them, all of the large tech companies have come out with speech APIs, and we took Google's API and built a business around it, um, which allowed us to adapt it to the veterinary world. And we've been doing it now since 2019, and you know we're four thousand users deep and growing every month.
1: That's awesome. So why did you sell? Why did you sell the last company's product on-prem?
0: Uh, it was nothing to do with us. It was what was available as a reseller. And so it was a local installed um, software product that ran that, on the desktop. And hence the CDs and the mail.
1: Yeah, I think I remember Dragon from years. is it the same Dragon?
0: Yeah, well, they have a bunch hmm, of different ago. divisions, right? They've got professional mm-hmm. and legal and, and all of them. Yeah. And it's a great product. Um,
1: Yeah. So you made a software as a service specifically for the veterinary industry, and you were doing the same essential use case, which was dictation within veterinary practices. Yes, sir. Now, you did something that's extremely difficult, which is trying to build a product that gets installed into workflow. So, you know, being the challenge of that and you're also selling into a market that's pretty fragmented has a lot of smbs how did you you know get that pro the proverbial product market fit
0: well it was interesting because when we started the company we knew that it was there right we knew that there was this pent-up demand to expedite medical record keeping inside the veterinary space so we were lucky we kind of knew that there was a business before we even started the business because of the last experience um and so you know that we started with those cards so most companies don't get to start kind of knowing product market fit knowing what you should do um what we had to do is build a solution that could be used by anybody that was simple and easy to use and then you know after you get your first 10 customers which we got at a trade show in reno nevada i will never forget we definitely hadn't uh, perfected the product and it wasn't finished um but we went to sell it anyways and after we did that you know we you know, weeks, you know, one week after we had a functional product and we had users that were driving, you know, our roadmap, you know, it was me and two developers at the time. So it wasn't a big, big team, but we knew that if we just continued to listen to our users and continue to evolve the product in a way that made their work easier, then we would hopefully be able to build a business. And that's what we did.
1: So did you, um, when you said that there was like a, you know uh, I guess awareness of of dictation within medical groups, are you talking about the the Dragon type software that like had some type yeah. of penetration in the market that was meaningful?
0: Yeah, it was it was small, but it was meaningful. People had heard about it. You know, the message was starting to get out. Um, oh, I still, heard it.
1: A boot. I heard it. I heard that's the right. accent. Got the you.
0: Token Canadian. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm not. I would apologize, but I'm trying to be anti-Canadian today. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, no, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Look at you. Are you Canadian too? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the story, you know? So we just, um, we started to sell it and listen to our customers and there's been a ton of evolution of the product. You know, we started with a single product that worked on windows. Now we have a product that works on Mac and then PC and Android and iOS and, you know, just keep building, building out the, the vision that I had, which was that spe- people should be able to have the same speech enabled experience on any device, any internet connected device, you know, and it should operate the same way. It should be easy to use. It should be predictable. And we kind of, I guess, wanted to be like a bit like the McDonald's of speech recognition. And that served us quite well. Because we allow people to use it on whatever platform they're comfortable with, and switch back and forth between different platforms. So you might use a Mac at work and a PC at home, and we don't care. That that's totally fine for us.
1: Uh, but you still, but so there is still an on-prem element to this. Is that just ne- necessary for the product?
0: We have a local install um, that yeah. runs on the desktop. It's very lightweight. It's like you know for. The software people out there, which I'm sure most people are, it's like less than 100 megabits, and it's okay. connected to our cloud backend, and all of the processing happens in the cloud, and the desktop is literally like kind of like the remote control. It's not much is happening on the desktop; it's all all in the cloud. Awesome,
1: awesome, cool. And then the veterinary business exploded.
0: Yeah. How lucky, right? You know, we're, we're running down, we're running down the road, not knowing what we're doing, like most founders. And we find ourselves in a situation where there's, you know, four or five times as many pets, um, and the same number of vets and everybody's looking for efficiency. And that's exactly what we do. We allow people to get through the documentation part of their day quicker. And so we had, you know, 39% growth, you know, 19% growth um, or 19, 39 times growth, 19 times growth in those pandemic years when everybody was looking for ways to do more with less. And, you know, since 2019, we've been growing every single month.
1: Got it. And um, so do you feel, um, I just feel like dictation I mean, we just talked about Dragon, right, being being so old. It's it's more of a mature industry. Um, and But yet, it feels like it's just getting this big breath of fresh air. And I'm not sure if that's just because it's a market shift. You know, labor cost is higher, so they're making less margin and they have to do more. How do you think about that?
0: That's a great question. I definitely completely agree that it's an old line item you know dictation's been around for a long time before dictation there was transcription before transcription there was dictaphones the world that i live in has had almost a couple of um you know new beginnings um same same general principle new technology powering it um and mm-hmm. and then again here we are with you know llms and chat gpt and all of these things show up and. I think they're, they're the most exciting thing that's happened in this space in a very, very long time because what we all want when we dictate, you know, and tons of us do it on our phones or whatever device we have right now. But what we want is we want to be able to give the technology a thought and we want the thing that comes out the other side to be better than what we said. Like it's, it's a strange thing because oftentimes we'll have this conversation with customers. And they'll be like, well, it's not it's not as good as I expected it to be. And then I'll say, well, if it types out every word that you said exactly how you said it, how is that not as good? And their response will be, when I read it, I can see that maybe I should have said it a different way or I can make it better. And so oftentimes the challenges with dictation is that we actually have a higher expectation than what is delivered and that's not unique to my product or anybody else's product and i think this new breath that showed up when generative ai showed up is the ability to arrive at a better place than what we expected it to be so if you can imagine you know dictating into chat gpt and saying clean that up make it sound better you can do that today You can do that with our product and any other product. There's companies like ours and others that are driving towards building these features into their dictation apps so that what you get is better than perfect. It's actually better than you could have ever imagined because now you're able to layer in all of this contextual information, all of these layers of that LLM to actually produce something at the other end that's better than what you said, which is pretty damn exciting. I, I said it's almost something. it's
1: almost too good. I mean, I blog and I'm just like, you need to make this worse, like because people are going to find me out.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally true. I i sent I sent an email out yesterday to a large corporate customer of ours. They, they represent hundreds of thousands of dollars with the revenue for our small startup every year. And I copied my uh, co-founder um, and the entire leadership team of my company. And they uh, two of them wrote back and said, Really nice email. And I've never got an email from anybody that I ever work with that said, really nice email. Um, so it was just bizarre. And then I wrote back and I said, Me plus talkatu plus chat GPT equals magic. And <laughs> and I think that's why this industry that I'm in is so exciting and why it feels like there's this big deep uh, breath of fresh air that is just going to supercharge this world that I'm kind of living in the middle of.
1: Do you think people? I don't know. For for me, like, I I think the products are incredible. I do feel I don't know guilty, right? Sometimes of of utilizing it its power. Um, I'm not sure if that's. A bad thing. Do you think people care if things are coming from an enhanced um, learning language model? I mean, less authentic. Get,
0: I, I guess maybe the thing that I would focus in on is what's the what? You know, if it's an email that's well thought out and explains exactly what you're trying to convey, I think that that for the receiver is way better than getting an email that is hardly legible, that is discombobulated and doesn't effectively communicate what was meant to be communicated, which, you know, I I guess I'll call myself out here. That's what my emails used to look like. You know, as a founder, things are going by quick, I think really quickly. and, And sometimes I don't communicate effectively over writing. And so that problem has now gone away for me. And everybody that's on the other side of the emails that I send out is better for it. They've they've got something that they can understand. If it's um, a research paper um, that maybe has massive impact on the people that are reading it, and they go to the author thinking that they're the you know the the top source for that information in the world, and they find out that they're dealing with a bit of an airhead, then maybe that's a problem. So I think it depends on what it is that what the person on the other end is expecting and why they've gone to that thing that might have been enhanced with generative AI in the first place. I don't know if that makes sense or not.
1: No, it makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense.
0: So if you're um, reading Dave's blogs and <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it, it's, 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 half me, right? I write what I what's in my head and then it makes it sound better.
0: But, but, but what the hell is the problem with that? right like all you're doing is helping the people that want to consume that information making it easier for them to understand and the reason that they're reading the blog in the first place is cuz they want to learn so I, I don't have a problem with that and i don't think i don't think many people would
1: it's almost like a calculator right like does anyone care if i solve a math problem with a calculator versus write it out
0: yeah i mean and like it's that's a really great like segue to what i'd like to say next which is this will evolve right like you know the the conversations that i'm having internally with like my engineers and my astrophysicists that works for me is like we can either be part of this thing and learn with it and grow with it or we cannot and think that we can be better and then watch our competition drive past us um so fast that we can't even pick out the color of the car
1: so what's going on in the vet industry right now?
0: Well, it's a bit bananas. Um, you know, this this pandemic puppy. So thank you to all of the people that listen to David's podcast that have bought a dog in the last three years. and really <laughs> appreciate it. This pandemic puppy problem um, that no one thought would be a problem has created an overwhelming demand for veterinary services. And... The veterinary industry is struggling to just stay above water um, because, if you can imagine, if you're a house painter and you live in a town with a hundred people and you have enough business with those hundred people to keep yourself busy um, all year long, and then all of a sudden, you know, ten thousand homes are built. That that's kind of what's going on. It's just there's been a massive supply um, and a massive demand for those veterinary services and there's just no supply. So it's, it's really an interesting time to be in an industry that is literally on fire and it's a stressful place to be, you know, it's life and death. It's not life and death of humans, but it's life and death of pets. And, you know, the, the other thing that I think is fascinating, David, is like, you know, we have kids, you and me both, um, People 10 years younger than us have yet mostly decided not have mostly decided not to have kids. And so they've got a puppy instead, and their puppy is their child. And this idea of the humanization of the pet is one that's like front and center of the veterinary medicine world. These fur babies are really important to the millennial generation and the Gen X generation. And They really care about their health and well-being. And so spending money on their fur babies is totally something that they want to do. They want to give them the best life possible. And that has also contributed to this boom in the pet health world. It's absolutely wild. And when we started this company, I could have never predicted that.
1: I'm going to... Be the first person that coined this, right? And I'm going to allow you to take it, right? This brilliant piece of of insight is in ten to fifteen years from now, we're going to have the equivalent of the baby boomers for for pets. We're going to have an aging issue because they're all going to be at the end of life, and it's going to be like this sporadic like increase. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Um, maybe we should ask chat GPT.
1: Yeah, we should ask chat GPT. <laughs> um, you know, um, there is a ton of demand. What about, so do you think that the demand is overpowering the, Kind of, and I'm looking at this from a finance angle because I'm a nerd. Because, like, I know there's like this feeding frenzy on acquisitions of, of veterinary hospitals where mm-hmm. they're paying, you know, 15, 20x on subscale type operations because it's a mom and pop cottage industry, right? I mean, is there is there any panic with, you know, re- recuperating that investment or paying that investment off at the demand? And how do you think about that? Or yeah. do you think about that? Do you even
0: care? Yeah, I do think about it. And, you know, once again, um, you know, when you start a company, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I think, you know, luck pay- favors the prepared mind, but there's always luck. And once again, I think it's lucky for us. You know, so you have all of this private equity money that's gone into these large consolidator companies that are acquiring these hospitals. All of a sudden, that money's got super expensive. Now, what would you do if you were running a business that all of a sudden had a bunch of costs increase because of cost of capital you'd look for efficiency guess what that's what we do it's kind of a lovely place once again yeah. look you know um yeah so everybody's looking to make these operations as efficient as possible and that's exactly what we we do we we sell efficiency through our dictation product and through our fully managed um, kind of software assisted services model. So we, we take it one step further at Takatu. We have a product called verified by Takatu, which is always interesting. You know, like the product market fit piece is like listen to your customers what do your customers want our customers never want to do another medical record again and we look to other industries what's happened in human health nuance you said it early on in the show they have scribes they have applications where people are able to dictate into their device and so we've done that for the veterinary health industry as well a veterinarian can dictate into their phone it goes back to our team of veterinary technicians that work at talk and then with magic we make sure it gets into the medical record And they never have to do another medical record again. And so, you know, I think everybody is going to continue to look for efficiency until the demand for the services quiets down. But I think that's probably four or five years away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's almost like you can kind of, I mean, depending on, I guess, the debt service, the EBITDA, I don't know, I guess it all depends on the debt, right? Are there covenants on the debt? with EBITDA, you know, but again, it's just like the demand is just so strong. Yeah. So what do you, how, what, what what's in the future for taka to in the next you know, three to five years?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we're really focused on not having to raise capital, you know, which is, I guess, how we started to talk with each other. You know, we, we're really focused on making sure that we kind of get to the point where we're not burning any capital. And I think we're probably six, eight months away from that. Um, and then once we get to that point, you know, where we don't need to raise capital, we'll probably go raise some more capital and grow the business again. I think that's that's what's in store for us.
1: And do you think it's going to be in vet, or do you think you're going to go out of vet?
0: I think eventually we'll go out of vet. Yeah, we've built a bunch of tools that can be applied to any industry. But for the foreseeable future, we're not going anywhere. You know? And I think it really – like one of the things that I've learned that like probably – probably not until I was 40 is focus is actually a pretty good tool for an entrepreneur. And so, you know, that's, (laughs) so that served me well in the last two years and, you know, specifically, you know, in the last one year, we had a lot of conversations. Are we ready to go into another vertical? And like this vertical is popping, you know, there's tons of demand. Mm -hmm. We've got four, maybe 4% market penetration to go anywhere else at this point would be, in a rational decision. So we'll be here for the foreseeable future. And then hopefully at some point with a bunch more money, we'll go out and get into another vertical.
1: Yeah. Um, And where do you think there's other efficiency opportunities within vet? Like where's the puck going? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's a really good one, but I mean, the thing that is scarce in vet med is human resource. Right. So mm-hmm. anything that can lessen the requirement for human resource. And it's not just veterinarians that are short. They're short veterinary technicians, receptionists, people that have experience running a veterinary hospital. Every single position in a veterinary hospital has a labor shortage right now. So if we can find other areas of efficiency with software, with AI, with um, you know anything that is where the opportunities are. It's to lessen the requirement for that human resource. You know, so whether it's you know systems to, um, you know, chatbots to automate conversations with pet owners to do teletriage or other areas that can be outsourced off of those resources that are in the hospital. That's where I think we'll see big opportunities. You know, like. The pandemic showed everybody that telehealth could be a thing. And it's really a shame because it's not as much of a thing as it should be still. There's still massive opportunities there. And I think that you will see companies rise to the occasion. And even some of these consolidators get that kind of remote slash on-site model perfected. And I think whoever does that first has a lot to gain because... If you have an overwhelmed system and you can take some of the uh, access capacity um, and put it somewhere else with an outsource company or with a company that's fully remote, I think there's some incredible opportunities for efficiency gains there and capacity building because the thing that all of these large corporate groups are trying to do is increase their capacity because they have existing customers and they have this whole supply of new customers. And so whoever is going to be able to service these customers in the most effective, timely way is, has a lot to win right now. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think talk, I think software, I think, you know, uh, these LLMs, I think AI, I think all of these things are going to find them, find their way into veterinary medicine because there's no easy solution for most of the problems that exist. And it's pretty exciting time to be in this industry. Awesome. Cool. Uh,
1: Sean, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. I have a couple of questions. Who else should I interview that's really interesting?
0: That's a good question. Let me think. So I, I've got a buddy. Um, he's another entrepreneur. He's another AI uh Nut like me. His name is Sebastian Gabor. He runs a company called Digital. He's coming make, on. Yeah, on. well, he's, he's a good dude. So <laughs> I would highly recommend him. Um, I chatted with a guy in the UK the other day. I mean, most of my day now, David, is uh, spent, a lot of it is spent, you know, kind of down this AI rabbit hole. Um, so Ollie's the guy's name and I'll shoot you his contact. He's a, a, you know, a developer, uh, over in the UK building really interesting software for, um, just kind of inter communication for pet parents to the practice. And they do it using, um, they do it using like messenger and WhatsApp and all, and Instagram messengers and allow people to operate and kind of interact with the clinic on their own terms um using whatever technology is already installed in their phone i think it's kind of brilliant so he's he's a really neat guy i mean there's such a friggin' list because you know i have a podcast called the vet innovation podcast so there's just i could give you 30 friggin' people in the vet industry alone <laughs> uh, my buddy tom jenkins at pets app he's a really neat founder who was a was a uh was the veterinarian for a bunch of Buddhist monks that had a bunch of Siberian tigers over in Thailand. So he's a neat guy. That's cool. Yeah, there's a bunch of people. So I could give you a list, but there's a couple for you. Awesome.
1: And what is your favorite book?
0: What is my favorite book? I think that's a great question as well. Look at you with your canned questions. I think like mm-hmm. Atomic Habits is like probably my that's most recent one. favorite book. Um, but I have many, many, many books that are my favorite. Actually, that's not my favorite. My favorite book is "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. Uh, an old one, but mm-hmm. a good one.
1: Yeah, that one's kind of timeless, isn't it?
0: Man, it's like you read that book and then you read a hundred books after it, and you're like, "This is all the same stuff." This is this guy started all of this.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny about that? Because I'm 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 a big proponent of mind, um, you know, headspace and and uh, mindfulness and <clears throat> What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know basically you know having having a really good attitude and, yep. and uh, you know really focusing on 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 goals and stuff and and I was listening to another podcast with with an investor, and being a capital allocator, it's hard to have goals, right because what we do is is we put money out and then we take money back in you know, we don't have, or at least on the venture side, we don't have control when the money comes back in. Right. So then it's really money out or it's AUM. And unless you're in the AUM game, you really can't have an AUM goal. Right. (laughs) Like If you don't care about AUM, like that's not, that's not a fact. Then it's, you know, how much money goes. And I'm not necessarily sure. And I'm biased because I don't do a lot of deals. Right. Um, like, I don't know if that's the best type of thing, because I went out and I had a goal to deploy $3 million last year, and I deployed $0 million. And I think that was a good decision based on, you know, everything I was doing, but I did fund something in January that I worked on. So I don't know, I was just kind of thinking about mindset. That's the word I was looking for. Mindset. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I mean, uh, and, it's and, interesting, describing it kind of as like an infinite game, you know, like you have to kind of, I don't know, like work with it and think about it and be cerebral. Um,
0: yeah, but you know, it's it's interesting because I think you can, like even in that world, I think you can have those goals. And like one of my favorite quotes is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right, you know. And I love that so much. And I think about it in direct relationship to your world. You know, like you can choose, uh, you, you choose uh, what entrepreneurs to invest in or what companies to invest in. You also have a second choice after the allocation of capital to really invest time, effort, and energy with those entrepreneurs to see that investment grow or not grow. And, you know, I I look at our own investors, our own VCs, and the amount of time that they make for me is, I feel, almost unlimited. And I think that that contributes to their goals.
1: Don't make me jealous with your current investors. I mean, that's you're hurting my feelings now.
0: There's there's still time. As soon as we don't need money, I'll come call you.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'll buy some shares off of you. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into The Capital Stack. If you like what you heard, please subscribe download tell a friend you can find me david paul or the title of the capital stack and we will see you next week drop an episode every tuesday bye-bye thank you for tuning in to the capital stack podcast make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content remember to support this show by rating reviewing and subscribing